a world filled with fast-paced living and constant demands on the aging body, it's easy to forget some of the simplest yet most essential elements of our well-being, hydration and nutrients. As you know, when I'm not in the studio recording a podcast or in the gym or out in the scrub hunting, putting rounds downrange, I'm somewhere in the world on a security gig, putting in the hard yards, ending up on TikTok. So legends that get some, keep me advancing forward, Jocko Fuel Supplements. More specifically, I've been smashing the Jocko Hydrate Sachets, which helps me replenish my electrolytes and other critical vitamins while boosting energy and supporting recovery. Also, just like my kids, my appetite for veggies goes as far as hot chips from the kernel. However, every morning I'll mix a scoop of Jocko Greens, Jocko Creatine into water, which helps me supplement my lack of and delivers all the nutrients for better gut health, immune support, cognitive function, and physical performance. And not to mention, tastes bloody good. So head over to www.getsome.com.au and use the code Zero Limits all in caps for a discount. I'll leave you with this for the day. Hard work, clean fuel, stronger, faster, smarter, better. Let's go. You're listening to a Zero Limits podcast brought to you by Ironled Cartel for all your fitness and streetwear apparel and health supplements. Hosted by Australian veterans, Matt and Shane, we're here to give you the motivation for you to complete any goal you set your mind to. On these podcasts, we're going to be speaking to high-charging people with the Zero Limit mindset that never say no. Let's go. All right, listeners, on today's Zero Limits podcast, we have another U.S. Army Special Operations soldier. His name is Kelly Roby. He spent a bit of time as a U.S. Ranger and then was the youngest to uh, earn a place in a Tier 1 operator. We all know, you know, one of the pinnacles of the cream U.S. Cream the cream. Yeah, cream mm. of the cream. And uh, also housed people like Chuck Norris. And kicked down doors. <laughs> and kicked down doors. Kelly was... Um, a pretty experienced uh, operator. He sp- he did. He was involved in 350 plus direct action missions, which you can only imagine. You know his time in Iraq and Afghanistan, what those missions were. Exactly. Who, who they're involved chasing <laughs> down. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, once he uh, he also became a, a canine handler. Yeah, which is cool. You were also a canine handler. Yeah, right? I, I did a bit of canine handling, and especially in the private security industry, and it's one of those jobs is, which is really cool. Yeah. You know, you you essentially cruise around with a dog and yeah. do, do your thing, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and obviously help out, you know, especially the explosive side of things, but that's that's another. That's yeah. Yeah, we should actually find a, a sniffer. <laughs> a sea sniffer. <laughs> Fair call. All right. Uh, well, let's get into it. Kelly Roby. Bang. All right, guys, on uh, today's Zero Limits podcast, we believe actually he might be, uh, he might know Brad Thomas as well, I'm sure. Oh, I think he It will. seems to be a common trend for a lot of these guys. They start off in the ranger side of things and then they either get bored of it or just want to be the, the best of the best. So they, um, so today we've got on uh, Kelly Roby. Yeah, here he is. Kelly, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. No, thanks, for, thanks for your time, mate. Like, um, Again, you know, we've we've um, spoken to a, a ranger in Delta before, and uh, you're familiar with Brad Thomas? Yeah, yeah. Um, Brad was in a squadron, but um, same time, and uh, obviously he's pretty well known in the community uh, yeah. just from his time in Mogadishu and yeah, you know, the unit. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And then obviously we've got um, a mutual friend as well, uh, Street Bite Tommy. Um, yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> Which uh, yeah. I actually, we were actually planning to get him on for a chat as well because you know, as as you know, Tommy's got some stories. 
And oh, yeah, uh, he's got a few. He's got a few. And obviously, you know, his claim to fame was doing a. Well, he said uh, he was trying to do a front flip, but he ended up doing a backflip. Oh, what did he do? No, he no. went off the ramp, and then the next scene on yeah. the Trace Pastrana, the video, was like, you never turn right. You never turn right. right. That was back yeah, in, he, like, mid-2000s. Yeah, it was. That was his – that's his – I don't know if he likes it, but it's claim to fame, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Never turn right. Exactly right. <laughs> um, so, you know, we got you on because you've uh, got a really extensive career throughout, uh, you know, the Rangers and Delta. And uh, let's I guess let's just start it off from the start. You know, where were you born and where did you grow up and were you an arsehole as a kid? And <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a lover. Can you guys hear the birds in the background? Yeah. Yeah, yeah what are they like? No, that's all right. That's all right. right. Shoot him. All right. Okay. Shoot him. Oh, yeah, shoot him. <laughs> not enough. Not enough meat there. It's my daughter. Oh, uh, they budgies. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Two of them. One wasn't enough. Um, yeah, man. I grew up here. Um, I kind of actually was kind of all over the place as a young kid, but I kind of claim the Portland area because about seventh grade we kind of settled here, and uh, that's where I finished up before uh, joining the military. Um, yeah, a lot of guys ask, and I, I think it's a similar story for everybody. Uh, I, in the sense of like, wasn't super good in high school. Uh, <laughs> had a one point six eight GPA. Yeah, but I partied a lot. Uh, yeah. So I kind of lived that life before, <laughs> you know. Um, the only difference I will say is like I don't have that story of watching the Navy SEALs movie or Chuck Norris and Delta Force. Yeah. Like I'm, I mean, I remember Rambo and Goonies and all that crap, but like the military was never. I played GI Joes, and that's about it. Yeah. Like. Like it wasn't, I didn't have that in my background. Uh, I had family had been in, you know, special forces during Vietnam and Korea, but, uh, you know, that GPA really drove me. I got to the end of high school and, uh, had the option to go run at, uh, university of Oregon and it was limited. Obviously my running times were good enough to go do that, but they said, you got to go to community college first. That, uh, that seemed like too much work. So, um, I was a party one night during the summer, uh, working, I had been working a job, working at a local auto dealership and you know wasn't exactly the pinnacle career i wanted to go yeah. for this girl was like hey talk to, i had talked to recruiters in high school but they pissed me off right they always tried to push you down that route of just join you need to get better at school all this yeah. stuff right this is your best option so i met this chick at a party and she was joining the air force like you gotta talk to my recruiter i was like all right i'll do that so i talked to a recruiter and i, I swear to god man he showed me the ranger video and i was like Yep. That's, that, that's what I want to do. Like dudes coming up by Zodiacs and, you know, <laughs> ball caps all twisted. And I'm like, yeah, that's jumping out of airplanes. I was like, let's do that. Yeah. And, and he didn't try and work me or anything. He gave me a Ranger contract. And uh, I, so I came in the army with a Ranger contract dedicated to it as long as I could pass everything. Yeah. Right. And, uh, that is awesome. Yeah. I kind of fell into it, man. What y- What year was this? 96. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I was fucking five. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We'll get into this later, but I was always the young guy. Yeah. You hear that, right? You're like, I was five. <laughs> I, sound like an, I sound like an asshole when I said that to people. <laughs> How old were you, Kelly? 18, Sorry. 19? 17. 17, there wow, you go. That's young still. Yep. That's wow. good. So how long, so that was 96 and what you left straight after or another 12 months, another few months or whatever? Yeah, so that was summer in 96. I got delayed entry. Uh, end of October, I actually went down to Benning to start basic training. Well, wow, that's quick. Yeah. And then, you know, that's that pipeline back then was basic training, um, airborne school, and then right into RIP. So by April, I was in Ranger Battalion. Yeah, right. 97. How, how are your parents? What did what they say? But obviously, you 17-year-old boy, their son was just going balls deep straight into Rangers. Yeah. Yeah, I don't um, – super proud, but they couldn't understand it. Like, I'd never shot a gun before in the military. <laughs> um, 
my parents voted for Clinton. Like, oh, like I just, we oh, were, I, I guess that was an end, but like we were, uh, we were pretty liberal from Portland. You know, yeah. I, I grew up with Birkenstocks and listening to the Grateful Dead smoking weed. And, um, the good you know, mouth. I think they were surprised, <laughs> but I think they were happy that I was kind of out of their hair and they didn't have to think about it anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. How, how, how did you find your training? Like, um, obviously then it would have been. And chaotic and yeah, a bit, bit the, the word PC wouldn't have existed in bastardization as well. <laughs> been around, yeah. no, no. Uh, I think PC had begun, but not a random, yeah, they're, they're um, politically correct. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, we, uh, Ranger Battalion hazing was still a big thing. Oh, like, fuck yeah. I don't, I don't know if it was as big as it was in the 80s and late 80s, but it was still like people were still getting in trouble for doing like locking dudes up and wall lockers and shoving them out of second floor windows like Fuck. that kind of stuff yeah hey well, <laughs> yeah. there's a reason for it you know like yeah, it's it's not a it's camaraderie it's somebody not, walking it's the park out it's there. not the scouts yeah <laughs> yeah so training was good though i mean um you know i, I remember i was 140 pounds when i joined yeah, and sure. i remember like consistently till after airborne school like you're never going to make like all these people shit talking you you know people that have never been in the military right they're yeah. just like there's no way you'll be a ranger and it was just Man, it, it wasn't it wasn't easy, but it was it was as simple as just grinding and not quitting. And I'm sure you guys understand that. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. It wasn't difficult. Just, just keep trying. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So, what at, at that stage, what were the Rangers doing? Like prior to you joining um, Panama in, uh, operations? Like, yeah, no, Panama? I mean they had done Mogadishu. Uh, yeah, I mean obviously Panama, Grenada, Haiti was the the big thing that had happened. Yeah, Second uh, Battalion had been down to Haiti. Um, that was like. Anybody that had been to Haiti, man, they were freaking war heroes at that time. Yeah. Right? Um, I don't know if they got CIBs. But I don't think they did. But like, there wasn't really anything going on. We were very much in that training mentality. Yep. Yeah, right. So, what is the CIB? Just a quick conf- uh, combat infantry badge? So, C- yeah, CIB. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, combat infantry badge. Okay. Yeah. The same as, same as the other one. Shane, Shane wouldn't know what, what a... No, I wouldn't. Yeah. We call it ICB, infantry combat badge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I like how you sorry. took that and just twisted it, or we did exactly. the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure we stole from you guys. I'm pretty sure we still Shout we it. get yeah, everything. We had some pretty good wars. In us. Yeah, we do, but we get everything secondhand from the US. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Ships, missiles. So, um, so you pass all your uh, all the training, and then you get into yeah. uh, Ranger Battalion. So you got yeah. posted to the 75th. Which is a, you know yeah. an inf- infamous uh, battalion as well. Yeah. So down in Rip, they you know I'm sure Brad had the same story. They ask you what battalion you want to go to, right? So you have second battalion up at Fort Lewis, Washington, third bat uh, at Fort Benning, and then first bat at Savannah, Georgia. And coming from Oregon, like I did not want to be in Washington. Like that was I wanted to be as far away as I could. So I asked for first bat, and I did not want to be in third battalion. Nothing wrong with them, yeah. um, a storied battalion, but it's too close to the flagpole. And Benning sucks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I got second bat. I didn't get first bat. So right back to Washington. And that's like the grunge days, right? So we're known for, at least at that time, like guys getting in trouble for going out into Seattle and going to raves <laughs> and doing all kinds of stupid stuff. I mean, were you one of those guys? 100% no, else. Oh. never. No. Did you see me at a rave? No. no. <laughs> I did that all before I came in. Yeah, right. So yeah. How, how was the actual range ranger training? Compared uh, to what Rip and Ranger, yeah. um, difficult. Rip was I. I don't even remember Rip, man. I I just remember I remember sitting. I like I remember blips, and I don't know if that's TBI or dementia. That definitely or, is. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't remember a whole lot. Um, 
I remember it being hard. I remember getting to Ranger Battalion. I got a, the first, so I showed up. Uh, second bat was at what we call the Joint Readiness Training Center, which was in Fort Polk, Louisiana, I think. And so the whole battalion was gone, and I showed up, and um, we had some rear D guys, some people in the back, you know, just kind of taking care of the battalion as people are gone and in, in processing the people. And there was like four of us that had come from Rip, and we get there, and he lined us all up like duffel bag drag, all this stuff, right? Trying to be hard on us, lines us up. And I remember him going down the line and he's like, and, and I would know him later, like he went to me later, but he's like down the line, starting at the first guy, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You're not going <laughs> to make it. And then he got to me and he's like, you might make it. And I'm like, oh, welcome, welcome to Ranger Battalion. So we were there like a week and the battalion shows up and they're unloading all the RSOBs were um, like Land Rovers. They're like the pinkies that Brits had. Yeah. So they're black, blacked out Rovers and we're unloading everything. And I'm meeting my platoon for the first time. And they're just like yelling at you, doing all this stuff, like take this upstairs. And I had this corporal grab me and he's like, hey, I need you to go fight Dustin. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, Dustin, tell him to get his ass upstairs. Yada. I'm like, roger that corporal, understood. You know, and I'm just trying to make everybody happy. So I'm running up and down the stairs. I find, I'm like, hey, do you know Dustin? Where's Dustin at? And I find this dude in a brown t-shirt and he's like, oh, I'm Dustin. And I'm like, <laughs> sweet. I was like, Corporal Blank and Blank is looking for you. I was like, he, he, he's pissed off. Like we got to get upstairs. He's like, oh, okay, no problem. What's your name? And I'm like, oh, it's Private Roby. And he's like, oh, just, just go by Kelly. You're good, man. I'm like, oh, okay. So we run upstairs and I'm like, Corporal, Corporal, here's, here's, here's Dustin. And he hands Dustin his BDU top and it's, he's a squad leader, he's a staff sergeant. <laughs> he's like, oh, you mean so-and-so blankety blank. And it's like, from there, like all the privates get down, like the hazing begins. Like you think you can call a staff Set up sergeant, the file. First, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like just. Welcome home, Kelly. Here you go. That's, Here's my that's a good. That's a good. It's funny. Um, that's like, a good stitch up. A lot of militaries do a lot of those. We used to get a lot of those ones where they'd be like, "Who wants to do a, a quad course or do a motorbike course?" And everyone obviously put your hand up, and yeah. you're on guard duty for the next three weeks. It's like right who has the bike license, for instance, and they go, "Yeah, I do." And so, yeah, mate. Well, you got to got to stand here now. He's like, "Oh fuck's sake!" I was going to be Don't do something cool. Right? Never volunteer. Vo- never volunteer. But well, we did we did have one guest on where they did volunteer for something, and it turned out to be the best thing ever. Oh, I forgot what it was. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it worked out well for him. Like, that's the only time someone's going, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. But the, it's uh, always a trick, fuck, man. If it is. People yeah. asking you or you're like, don't do it. Yeah. Well, actually, the, uh, the Navy stands for never again volunteer yourself. So <laughs> that's something, something to go by. Um, I understand that. So, so did you just spend uh majority of your time in that same battalion in the Rangers? Yep. So I was at Fort Lewis for that four years doing just, you know, our typical – Battalion, you know, at that time it's all training. So it's, hey, we're going to go jump out of airplanes and do airfield seizures. We're yeah. going to do helicopter work. We're going to go do, um, we did jungle training until they closed down the jungle training center in Panama, which was fun. But like the, just that constant cycle. Yeah. And we got a couple years in, and that whole time, like that first year, like all I wanted to do was become a tab. So like going to Ranger school in Ranger Battalion is like your path to being an NCO yeah. and a leader and to stop getting tab checked and messed with. And like, that was my only goal was to get to Rangers, but they had what they called an order of merit list at the time. And like, you couldn't, you can't go if you're less than a year in battalion, yada, yada. And I'm like, all these dudes are failing. And it's like, I can pass right now. Send me please. Yeah. Cause I want to get out of this shit. <laughs> and, um, about 11 months in, I got to Ranger school past that, um, came home, broke up. We had a couple of trips, did best for Ranger, um, which was nice. That was like six months of, TDY or four months of TDY. 
came home, more trips. And then I just I got to that point where and I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but I just got to that point where you did enough training evolutions yeah, where yeah. you're like, and I had never intended to be in, right? So I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm going to get out of the military. Yeah. And I had met my wife at this time and all that. And that was kind of where I was at. So that was about 2000 or still the late 90s? Yeah, that was so... It was 2000. I had just married my wife. Yeah. We both were getting out. Like our ETS dates are, are getting out of the military dates were at the same time. Yeah. And thank God she's smarter than I am. And she's like, we sh- one of us should stay in. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I can... Okay, I'll stay in. I can try out for. <laughs> I, I can try out for this thing uh, down at Fort Bragg, and I'll try out for Delta. And she's like, "Okay, try out for that." And that was literally my decision. Was like, "Yeah, I got to stay in. I don't want to be here. I'm going to try out for this." Yeah, right. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go try out for it. <laughs> so seriously, it was it was that that little thought. Yeah, and so, not not being cocky. Just yeah. was, that's the way I roll. Like, unfortunately. And what what was your knowledge on Delta at that stage? Chuck Norris. Nothing. Just Chuck Norris. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, I had been inundated with, you know, Rambo and all that. Um, I mean, I had been a so, uh, I had seen them on different training exercises and saw how they were treated differently. Yeah. Um, at this point, I had heard about, you know, Black Hawk Down. I had, not the movie, but the book had come out. And, you know, I heard all the stories. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, I want to, I want to. And, and actually during Best Ranger, I had trained up and got to go to brag and like see ranges and you know and kind of be around guys and i was like yeah this is this is the next step like yeah i want to go do this they're treated like like men yeah right yeah right so you know what stage do you you know as in regards to timeline when did you put your application in to go delta so this would have been i went to the briefing you know they do they do the little briefing that everybody has to go to and this was like winter of 2000 yep. my selection class was um spring of 2001 yeah right it's funny like you, the, the time you joined delta was you know obviously i wouldn't say say funny but obviously september 11 2001 very very yeah. close so yeah. you know um when did you it, talk us through the process to you know yeah. once you get your application do you, is there like a selection or a barrier you need to pass before you can get to the next levels to get accepted onto sure. your training course yeah so i you know talked to the recruiters put in my packet got approved and got my selection date um which was spring of that 2001 and went went and did selection you know three week course or four week course um land nav intensive you know just the weeding out process right yeah yep. but for me like it, I've said this before, it, it was probably the most fun I ever had in the military in any like school, um, <laughs> only because you, you're treated, it sucked, but you're treated like an adult and it's hundred percent on you. Right. And it's just, it's just land navigation, right? It's just movement and it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it sucks. Don't get me wrong. And it's hard, but it was just, it was an amazing experience. So, um, at that time, I was 22 years old, um, and before I even went to selection, I had to, you know, guys go and they make it, and then guys come home and they tell you how they didn't make it, and they're like, "Oh, I got screwed. You know, you're too young. You need more experience." And before I left, sorry to kind of jump around. No, you're all, before you're... I left, the guy, the first sergeant of our uh, company at Ranger Battalion, was like, "If you, there was four of us going from the whole battalion and two from one company." And he's like, "If you guys go." Uh, just realize you're not going to have a job when you come back. And Ranger Battalion huh. at that time, there's a lot of guys that were very negative about leaving battalion. It was like, yep. you're not dedicated. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And I just remember him sitting us down and going, you better make it because you won't have a job when you get back. And I was like, all right. And I was 22. So I'm like, I'm already being told I'm too young, yada, yada. So I get the selection, pass everything physical. And I get to the part where, you know, at the very end where they're assessing me. And I remember it was, they had hammered me on my age. Like these are a bunch of SAR majors and everything. And they just, 
at least to me, it felt like they just focused on my age. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I had some time to think and they brought me back in and they're like, Hey, before we tell you if you made it or not, uh, do you have anything else you want to say? And I'm like, yeah. And I just, in my head, I unloaded. I'm sure I did it respectfully, but I was just like, it's total bullshit that you guys are comparing me to other people that are twice my age or, you know, 15 years older than me. And I made it as far as they did. And, you know, I went on for like, and I'm sure I did it respectfully, but I remember them going, I remember the commander of the unit, Sergeant Roby, are you done? And I'm like, uh, yes, sir. And he's like, well, all right, well, welcome to Delta. And I'm like, dude, I couldn't have got out of that room fast enough. I'm like, sorry. Uh, thank you. Uh, can we, where do I go? Like, I'm out. Like, I felt embarrassed. And so, you come home for a couple of weeks and then I PCS down to Bragg yeah. and, you know, started OTC, Operator Training Corps. With the uh, the Delta, like the joining, if you want to call it the joining yeah. Um, part, yeah. did it help being a Ranger first? And with Delta, do you have to already be serving in the Army before you can actually join? You can't do a direct entry from civilian life straight into Delta Force. Yeah. So you do have to be in the army. Uh, right. Actually, you have to be in the military. So, okay. so you can come um, from the Navy or the Air Force? You can come from any branch of service, any right. walk of life, National Guard, all that stuff. And, um, you know, I think that speaks to the selection process, right? They want the right people Yeah. Um, for the right job. So I'm not going to say that that's the right route, but it's open to everybody. Yeah. Um, as far as being in range of time, I think it certainly helped because I understood kind of the mission set, um, at least subordinate unit mission sets. Um, I d- I d- it didn't give me any kind of gleaning into what I needed to do to be successful. So, you know, I didn't have a leg up minus my physical experience and maybe some land navigation that I had from being in battalion. Yeah. Like I didn't have a leg up just by being. What about I like do fitness think, as well? What's that? Uh, the fitness <laughs> as well? Yeah. I, I Yeah. I think the fitness, obviously, yeah, I think that's definitely a huge factor. You yeah. know, SF or Ranger or SEALs or Marsha, like any of those units that there's that underlying physical requirement to exist. Um, I think that is a huge benefit, but again, it's not the only, it's not the only factor. Yeah. Right. You know, so it's the right personality. So your first day of Delta training, talk us through it. Uh, I don't remember to be honest, <laughs> you know, I, I'll tell you this, but I mean, I'll tell you what I remember. I remember walking, seeing some of the people who are going to be my instructors and, you know, here I am, 160 pounds and i remember walking in and going shit yeah yeah like that's that's chuck norris that's this that's this right and they're all older and i just remember going in like what the like what am i doing here yeah like i am never gonna be that that's captain america right there that's chuck norris yeah yeah captain and that's you know in my little infant brain that's what i saw i, re- I remember that distinctively walking in the squad bay and meeting those guys the first time and going oh there's and, no way I'm passing this. And like, Kelly, you were doing? you were 22, correct, or 23? That's one of the youngest, yeah, isn't 20, it, to get into yeah. Delta? Yeah. So at the time, I was the youngest. There's an, there's another guy, Brandon Jackson, uh, was with Brad. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, I think he had beat me by like a week. Yep. Motherfucker. And, you know, or no, I had beat him by. A week. <laughs> oh yeah, good, good, and, good, good. You know, and so like yeah, yeah, I beat him by like a week. I'm sure younger guys have come, but like at yeah. that time. Yeah, I was the youngest guy to have made it. So yeah, what, right. what what was the average age? Like late twenties, thirty? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'd say early thirty to thirty two. And how yeah, many? But, but I would say the heavier range was like twenty seven to yeah. like thirty seven, yeah. thirty five. That's bloody still late though in life. You know, that's bloody Matt. So how old are you, mate? Thirty thirty seven. Thirty seven. Yeah. You imagine if, if you went no you, chance. I could be no, busted. I could not do it right now. No, I'll, I'll be bloody breathing yeah, in the bloody bag. I'll, I'll be dying. Um, how many yeah, guys? I'm talking like yeah. E eights, like like master sergeants yeah, in the right. military joining. Yeah, no. well, that's crazy. And you when know, they, have, if, 
15 years in. Yeah. yeah. So when they become, if they do pass out, do they get bumped back to private? No. They, no. They, so they keep you, their keep, rank. you keep, keep your rank. Um, but, you know, just, I think just like the SEALs and probably like a lot of your guys' units, rank, once you get into some of the specialized units, it's, it's all about time on the team, yeah. right? It has nothing to do with your rank. It's all about how long have you been in this organization? Yeah, right. And I think, you know, a focus on that is where they really succeed, right? Because you can't just import some dude who's got rank on somebody to fuck everything up, right? I mean, yeah. they're, you're grown within the unit. So if you start late, if you come in as an E8, you know, and you only do five years, well, you, you may only be a three or two IC on a team. But if you come young and stay long, right, you may make it to squadron sergeant major, move on to other things, like, but you always, there's still that progression, right? Yeah, you don't yeah. leapfrog people. So if you come in as an E8 and I'm an E5, you don't leapfrog me ever. Yeah. Right? Unless I screw up. Then, yeah. Obviously. Yeah, right. And so, so how long is the Delta training? Like the What is called? Like a reinforcement cycle type? Uh, operator training course. Yeah. Okay. So how long is that? Is that a, a year long, two year long About process? six months. Yeah. Six months, yep. And then after that six months, that's basically when you get your, your qualified. Yeah. That's, yeah, right. that's when the that's when your real uh, assessment begins. That's when you move over, and it's like every day you're under the microscope. Yep. I don't know. I don't know if you ever successfully graduate. Yeah, um, you're you're always learning. Yeah, I mean, you finish training. Yeah. But I'll tell you, man. Even on a team, once I made it, I mean, it's all relative. You made it. If you screw up on a team, you can be gone like that. Yeah, gotcha. Back on the so, training, Kelly. How many yeah. guys are in that like um, intake or class to, to begin with? Yeah, it varies. I, I couldn't give you a, it varies, but you know, I think my selection class started with about 120 people. Jeez. And then I think in my OTC class, we had 15 to 16 people from that, you know, and that was other people that had maybe recycled or, that you know, so or I something. think there was only 12 people from my selection course. So about 10% yeah, right. made it. And then all of that, we dropped. Yep. Fine. So the course, the course is pretty slight. I mean, truly, it varies over time. It could two people. Would, um, I would say the average is probably a, a dozen or so. Yeah. Right. And how did you find the training? Informative. Inf- yeah, yeah. I mean, took a lot of a lot of shooting, obviously, as well. Yeah. I mean, a lot of time on the gun. But the coolest part for me was nothing's assumed, um, and that's a lot of people make assumptions about um, you know what's what's the secret sauce. And I'll tell you, I think I think the secret sauce is literally mastering or being the best at all the simple tasks like basic rifle marksmanship yeah. um you know all the patrolling tasks everything it's literally like repetition of all the basics it's it's the same as an nfl football team yep right all of all of those basics are what builds you and then bringing those really good guys who have all that repetition and putting them in the same place that's what makes you good yeah not 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 the equipment. I mean, the equipment obviously elevates you, but you can't bring guys that aren't good at the basics and give them all the equipment. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they're this amazing unit. Exactly. Makes sense. What was your so, first... Sorry. Um, hey, I like that. That's good. It. Yeah. yeah no, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What was your first um, tour or your deployment after well, your training? Before we get into before we get into sorry, that, yeah. um, obviously, you got in spring 2001. That's when you started this uh, OTC. July-ish, is it? July-ish. July, uh, April. 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 And then so May. six months, yeah. obviously, September 11 happens 2001 yeah. are you still you're still in training at that stage well, you're yeah. almost just about finished so obviously run us through that day because again we've, you know we've talk, talked about it before to every yeah obviously most of our guests you know uh, 90 percent of our guests have been uh, military so obviously it's been a game changer for every single person that's you know encountered that day so where were you that day and uh you know what were your thoughts moving forward obviously you'd be becoming delta so you were 
obviously going straight into the thick of it. Oh, so. fuck yeah. I thought so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> like I was, you know, I was in Ranger Battalion, literally like, oh, we're training for the Olympics. I want to go to the Olympics. You don't know what you're talking about. I want to yeah. go to war. That's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, sorry, I shouldn't say gung ho. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you're a uh, Marine thing. You're, you're into it. And I remember, um, you know, thinking when I joined, like, okay, I'm going to be able to do operational stuff. Obviously, we're this is all pre 9/11. On September 11th, we were doing. I was down at the shoot house, just doing runs, and um, it was we had done a hit. Uh, my team had, and our medic called us. So we have medics, you know, in the class going through with us, and they act as our support. And they called us over to the med van uh, during a break from our run, and they were running another group through, and they're like, "Hey, listen to the radio," and it literally like FM radio, like a plane has hit World Trade Center, and we're like, "What? What are you talking about?" And the instructors are starting to talk. And then um, I was standing there in the second plane it hit and we're like, holy shit, this is war. Yeah. Like we're like now everybody's kind of talking. They broke down from training. Um, a couple of the OTC instructors are talking and they bail. They go up to the main building and I'm like, man, we're going to war. Like yeah. this is happening. Yep. Like they're going to stop our training. Like we, we, we are paramount to this war. Like we're going to get some. And I remember like, all right, guys, get back up. We're going to do more hits. And I'm like. Okay, so we go doing hits, and we come back up, and we eat chow, and that's the first time I got to see planes hit. Yeah, um, they had it on, and, you know, just reinforcing it. Like, man, we're going to war. Like, we had there was a bunch of stuff going on in Fort Bragg proper, and um, I went home that night, and you know, everything's crazy. And I talked to my wife, and I'm like, man, I was like, honey, I don't know, I don't know when, but like, they're going to cut our training short, and I'm like, like I'm in, like we're going to war. They need bodies. The next morning we show up, and it's like, all right, guys, here's what we're doing, and we finished all of OT. Yeah. And that whole time I was like, at, th at that point, right. War's going on now. Battalion is jumping into Afghanistan. Like, and I'm going, Holy fuck. I missed the war. Like now I'm, now I'm regretting my decision. Like, what, what am I doing? Like the war's going to be, cause you think about Mogadishu, you yeah. think about, uh, Grenada, Panama, like all these, and it's like, they're all short duration yeah. wars. And I'm like, I, I missed it. Like, um, now I'm going to be here at the highest level yeah. and I'm not going to get my CIB. And I could have stayed in battalion and I'll get my CIB. And I was like, whatever, it's no big deal. And <laughs> at, at the time of going, so when you're done, you get picked for your different assignment for a squadron. And one, my squadron, or well, a squadron had been overseas already. And they were coming home. And I remember standing there. It's like, it's like being picked for freaking um, an elementary school, right? And I was always the last one. Yeah. And I remember standing there and it's like, all right, this person's going to this, these, this group is going, this next group is going to this squadron. And it's like, that's the next squadron to go to war. And I'm like, all right, lottery, like pull my ball, pull my number, please. Mm, and it's yes. like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm fuck. And then it's like the next group, you guys, they're going to be the next ones in rotation just yeah. by the order of rotation. And I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm going to be in this group. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, God bless. And that's like, Hey, the, the last group you're going over here. And these are the guys come home like in two days. Yeah. I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, not only did I miss the war, but I'm going to go to this, the only squadron that's already been to war <laughs> and I'm not going to get an opportunity to go. And I know this sounds selfish and like this takes, take it all out of perspective of what's really yeah. going on in our nation, right? This is what's happening in my head. Obviously I'm, you know, feel bad for everything that's happened. I just want to get some, I want to return the favor for what's happened here, you know, at home. And, you know, lo and behold, unbeknownst to me, right? I mean, 20 plus years later, we're still, still yeah. trying to pull out of this thing. Yeah. So it was, it was a very immature thought, but that was my initial, what was going on in my brain. Yeah, exactly. And I guess for all of us that were in the military, it's the exact same thing, man. I hurt myself on a parachute jump and obviously Iraq just kicked off. Afghanistan was kicking off. Everyone yeah. was deploying. 
and I'm stuck yeah. in Broken Platoon, you know, getting rehab for a year and Broken everyone's Platoon. coming yeah. back getting medals and I'm just like, this is fucking bullshit. Like, You're like, I can yeah. do this. Yeah. Me, <laughs> yeah. And I ended up yeah. getting to go. So it was the great. Navy's the sort of the same. At the time, we only sent one ship over, I think, after, oh, I think 2004, 2005, yeah. and then everyone was just trying to jump on top of each other to get to that ship. The same thing in like the Australian yeah. Defence Force, you get your tax-free plus your wages tax-free, obviously, plus good, your danger pay. Good money. Good money. You get the gongs and you get, get a trip overseas, pull into a port every 28 days or so. And they stopped sending ships there, I think, three years back, I think. Um, but yeah, everyone was just, just trying to get on because in 2015, like, this is the last one, this is the last one. And yeah, but now they're, they're finished. going. Exactly. Now yeah. they're finished up now. Yeah. Now all our ships are assigned to the South China Sea. So yeah. So when yeah. did you get your first deployment? Afghanistan? So I went, I went over to Afghanistan for a short trip and it, you could call it a deployment, but it wasn't a deployment. It was a, more of a, a business trip. I did a, um, I did a site survey for some security stuff uh, yeah. that was going on. Um, so it was like a singleton mission. I went over to Afghanistan, but this was, this was oh, t- July of Oh two before Bagram's like established. Yeah. So it was, it was real, but I mean, I didn't, it, I wasn't. Yeah. Um, and then, so my real kickoff was my real kickoff was the invasion of, of Iraq. For, oh, oh, yep. That was my yeah, first right. deployment. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So you get back 2002 from Afghanistan after your short little surveying trip. And then no. <laughs> you, literally, like we, three days. Well, you let that. Call let, that you can call that yeah. deployment. Well, you let to. down. Like, we just like, fuck, I'm here, but this is shit. <laughs> no, man. I drew, So I got off the plane. I had from um, London and I got off in like Dockers and a, a polo shirt. And I'm like, I got to do this work. Yeah. And I had to link up with these SF guys. And I'm like rolling down the streets of Bagram. And before this was before everything was paved. This is like yeah. it's not. I don't even call it a road. And I'm yeah. like dragging a Samsonite suitcase and dress shoes like off the plane, <laughs> like down the streets of Bagram, like, trying vacation. to get to a tent. <laughs> oh, I look like a total jerk. Uh, like, all right, so I have no clothes for this. Yeah, you know, did some. I hopped in a and, and this is like nothing's really going on. I hopped in a SUV and drove to Kabul, like me and another guy, like yeah. just lone wolf in it, no rifles, just like hey, we got to go talk to the people and Fucking hell. you know you're doing such stupid stuff that you're lucky you know what i mean yeah, like yeah god looks out for fools and, and children yeah and i was the fool at the time um so that was like a three or four day and then came home yep but but the iraq invasion was my first yeah go. so 2003 obviously iraq kicks off and then you're straight into yep. kuwait ish yeah yep. Yep. yeah so yep, Based yep. Out of kuwait, uh, yep. it was saudi arabia saudi arabia yep yeah gotcha so, and then, uh, what's that? Sorry, mate. You know, you, you go, you go. No, you're good. You were leading it. You were leading it. Oh, no, no. Yeah. So you, you had a question. You're based there, in right? Saudi. So, so based in Saudi. And then, um, yeah. how long were you in, uh, that area for? And then, you know, what type of missions were yeah, there? Yeah. So I think, I think it was a couple of days maybe. Um, and then we rolled into country. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was mostly mobility looking for high value target stuff yep. and awesome. like denying terrain for you know, the bigger mission. I, I couldn't tell you what was going on back here, but essentially, you know, just trying to capture anybody in Saddam's regime. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And um, man, that was freaking, those were great times. That was like a camping trip um, in the sense of like, awesome. you know, you're really kind of at the forefront of yeah. like there's, there's ROE, but it's not, it's not strict. All these established bases yeah. and super strict and like, yeah. Oh, make sure you got your BDU top on. Make sure you got this. Make, yeah, you know, make sure you got your PT belt on. Cowboy. Yeah, it was the Wild West. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, PT belts. Bloody hell. <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, that's the the bulk of my time at the unit was just, you know, four rotations, four more rotations, just back to back to back to back, you know, uh, go overseas, come home, 
do do the training and the train up, go back overseas, come home, yep. overseas, come home. You know, you know that cycle. Yeah. Um, but we can talk about, yeah, we can talk about that if you want to, if you got yeah. questions about it. But yeah, definitely. So it was Iraq, good times. Iraq, and, Iraq and Afghanistan. And it was just yeah. predominantly chasing HVTs, high value targets. For you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Where'd right. you, did you spend a lot of time in Afghanistan? I only spent uh, 2008, and then okay. I went back uh, as a private uh, military contractor. So, what about what about Shane? No, I went to the Persian Gulf in 2013 on a frigate, and then yeah. went back in 2015 on a tanker. So we hung around the um, Gulf of Aden, around um, Somalia and stuff. So didn't catch any pirates, didn't catch any drugs. Uh, we the intel not a great was just, place to hang out though. No, no, I felt I felt safe though. But um, but <laughs> actually right. seeing actually seeing Somalian coastline was was pretty cool. Um, yeah. But and then we were off the coast of Yemen and we were fueling up a French um, frigates and they were going to give naval gunfire to Yemen and the jets were t- taken off from Charles de Gaulle, which is their carrier, and they'll come um, and they'll back in like six hours time and they were just clinging wings, so they were just like sling, slinging bombs all all day, yes, day and night. Awesome, yeah, it was cool. So you're in and I out. Love- in oh sorry, you're in and out of uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. You did 350 total direct action missions. Yeah, ish. you know it's hard to. It's yeah, yeah, it's hard to, I, I mean, it could be a thousand. I, yeah. I was talking to somebody about this and it's like, when you talk about op tempo and you think about how many missions, like, you know, anywhere three to four months at a time. And like, there's times we were doing hits. I mean, literally a hit every night or multiple hits every night. So when you yeah, look at it, and you look at the op tempo, it was insane. Like it could have been four hits in one night, you know, um, and then like a day off and then two or three hits, and, you know, um, it, it was, I, I couldn't have asked for a better time. I talked to you guys that, yeah. you know, I've been in the 2012 to 18 and it's like there was a sweet spot there in like 03 to 06, 07. Yep. And that was the time to be there to do stuff. So yeah, I would say it's probably more than 350, but I'm comfortable with 350, uh, you know, roundabout number. Like I, it could be way more, but I never counted. Yeah, of course. And, you know, just in regards to the deck of cards, were anyone, oh, on, anyone on that list? <laughs> yeah. Any, uh, any of those cards uh, missing now? Picture cards, no, even I, some, did, some of the I didn't get to do. I didn't get to do Saddam. You know, there are a couple of yeah. There's a couple of people that we pulled. That, yeah, and Oof. people that we we hunted and checked out. I mean, and we were you know, this close. And I mean, like within, like you probably could have smelled the shit coming out of their yeah. pants. We were that close. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, what our cards were they, Kelly? But what's that? What body cards were they? Queen of Hearts. Uh, no. I don't go. know. I don't remember. I'm not good at cards. <laughs> Sorry. I don't remember. I'd have to see the I'd have to see the cards very good at. It. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't said I wasn't there for some though. Yeah, and yeah. uh I was not there during Sab Uday and Kuse. I mean we we had run ins but never never had, you know, those yeah. top three. Where did the history of those cards come from? Because I think personally they are a great idea because we obviously can't pronounce their names correctly, and you, you might radio <laughs> through to someone else's thing. Oh, hey, we're, we're chasing the um, King of Hearts, and someone goes, "Yeah, sweet, right? Oh, we're chasing the fucking King of Spades." You know, like it's like an easy way to communicate between everyone else. I don't know. I don't know if I. I, I wonder if it was really that well thought out, or if it was literally a bunch of politicians who were like, "Hey, man, let's put this shit on a playing card," and like. Then it was like, hey, we got these playing cards. Let's just go buy this. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know from a tactical. It was really not thought out, but it was superb. <laughs> right? like, it's, it's kind of cool. They're, yeah, like, well, yeah. they're like adult, adult Pokemon cards. You know, who you got? <laughs> I, I, I fucking got the Jack of Bloody Spades in your car. Yeah, <laughs> I actually. Yeah, they I, never, they never update them, right? I mean, no. you had it was always just the invasion cards. Yeah, we didn't have. They never updated it. So there's a lot of people that 
um, as the war changed in, you know, uh, second and third deployment where we were going after completely different yeah. HBTs. The yeah. next the next set it said a cards be for China, probably. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't know. There's probably a whole canasta. There's probably more than one deck. Canasta's yeah. like six decks. decks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was dealing with two decks, right? <laughs> two decks, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. nobody decks are in canasta. <laughs> yeah, right. Um yeah, so you spent. So how many? How much time did you spend away in total on operations? Well, I did. I did uh, four rotations, and then yeah, my Afghanistan trip. So yeah. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did four deployments. Yeah, right. Um, awesome. I didn't. I didn't. Um, admittedly, you know, so getting the getting to the unit at twenty two, and we can come back to the operational. Stuff, yeah, uh, if you want to. Yeah, definitely. Getting to the getting to the unit at twenty two. Um, you know, my wife. My wife was in the military at the time too, and she she deployed overseas as well. So um, I had you know, her over there while I was over there for like a, um, so I would go visit her like at the beginning of a trip or at the end of a trip and say hi and then fly back home. Yep. But, um, after Oh five, the end of Oh five, when they had the surge, we lost it. We had a really, really bad rotation, lost a bunch of sea squadron and had lost a bunch of dudes. And I came home and my wife looked at me and she was like, Hey, she's like, you can keep doing this. It's fine. But, um, if you want a family, like yeah. we're like, you're either out or we're going to do it when you're done in the yeah. military. And, you know, admittedly, there's probably some level of self-preservation, you know, after those just oh, oh, 05, oh, 06, like everybody's dying and you're like, all right, have I checked all the blocks I wanted to check? Yeah. And like where are we, she was out of the military. Uh, my mom was out here. She was pretty sick out in the Northwest. And it's like, all right, I'm, I'm good. Like never planned anything. Right. I'm like, okay, I'll figure it out. I'll go to school. <laughs> yeah. Um, and drop my paperwork and, and got out. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So you crazy. obviously, yeah. Well, you know, you know, in regards to your deployments, you know, obviously being yeah. an operator, like you're not just in, you know, the FOB or just, you know, doing patrols through the street. You're you, you are chasing, you know, you, yeah. you're looking for the fight, and deck, you are, deck of yeah, cards. You're, yeah, you're looking for the fight. So yeah. obviously, the threat level for yourself, you know, in regards to your life, is just it's out of this roof. Like, and as you said, you lost a whole bunch of guys, and I'm sure you lost a lot yeah. of friends as well. So. Yeah, that's just yeah. You get you, you when you're over there, and I, I know guys go through various levels of it. You get you do these self assessments. I remember my my first rotation, um, literally like the first the first real target I had ever done. Like if you want to call it like my first CQB target. Yeah. Um, like everybody except for me was shot on the team on my team. Like all going in through the breach, everybody except for me is shot, and and they all get medevaced. And I'm like, I remember getting back, and I'm like cleaning kit and stuff, and I'm like guys coming up and they're like, you're all right. You're all right. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, you know? Yeah. And I actually had like weird senses. I don't want to call it survivor's guilt, but I was like, what did I do wrong? Like, yeah. I wish you, I yeah. would have been shot. Yeah. Like, I don't have, you don't really think that, or maybe you don't really wish that, but there's a part of you that is like, man, I'm, I'm not part of that club in the sense yeah. of like, did I do something wrong? And like, why am I here? And they're gone Yeah. and everybody survived. But you know, that was my first eye opening. Like this shit's re- like yeah. the first target I hit. And, um, I remember going out, it was either that night or the next night and I was lumped in with another team. And I was like, it was the, it was the only time after a gunfight where I was literally like, fuck, fuck, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to do this. I've still had those moments when I suck, like you're nervous, but I remember like getting back on that horse after everybody was shot. It was like, it was almost like dead presidents. I thought, I thought I was I'm like, man, I'm, I'm so close to going home. Now it's my turn. Like, this is going to be the one yeah. went through the door. Nothing happened. Like it was a normal hit. And like, 
I, I kind of checked that block and I was good after that. But um, if that doesn't affect you, you know, and then consequent missions where, you know, you get blown up or you get IED'd or, you know, you get in a gunfight and it's really close calls. Like if those things don't affect you and, and play into your psyche, I would like to say there's something wrong with you. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, uh, you know, in, in regards to that, you know, how many, you know, I wouldn't say how many, but I'm sure you had a lot of close calls, like a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. For being, yeah. being the person you are and like the job, job you are Yeah, in, and as you said, well. you know, guys are getting shot around you and you're the only guy. But as you, as you said away. before, God God looks after kids and fools. So. Yeah. Probably like, I was probably <laughs> I don't know. the biggest fool. Look, man, I retired or I got out and I, I had no extra men to have. And yeah. like, I, I, you know, I Just, am so fortunate. Yeah, um, very lucky. Yeah, a lot of close calls, but you know, it's funny, like, the closest calls you don't even realize are happening. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? The ones where you're like, like you look at your kit and you're like, oh, you've got a, a piece of frag that flew through your pocket or something like that. Like you're like, holy shit. Or you have something in your helmet or whatever. It's like, you don't eat those ones. You're, you're, it's, you're so into it. You don't even realize it. It's the ones where I remember I was in a vehicle one night and we got ambushed and I just remember hearing like, I'm, I'm in the, we didn't have enough room for everybody to be out. And I'm like sitting inside and you hear the RPGs and the gunfire. And for me, it's like, I'm just waiting for an RPG to smoke through the side of the vehicle. And yeah. I'm just sitting there going, oh, this is it. Like, this is it. This is it. And it was probably, it probably wasn't because the guys up top were yelling and laying down fire. So it probably wasn't as bad as I felt like it was. Yeah. Closest calls, I don't even, like everything's happening so fast. Yep. You don't even realize it. Oh. Kind of in that matrix. <laughs> there's, oh, shit. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's a hundred, you know, times when. No, not that, man. I mean. Like, you know, the thing about the unit, don't get me wrong, you get surprised and bad yeah. things happen, but to be in a place, um, you don't have a, you don't have a huge losing streak, right? It's like the NFL yeah. again, yeah. like you, you might have a few losses, but you don't have like a 10 game loss, Yeah. right? You typically you recover really quick. And so they're operating it. And, you know, I, I like to say I've carried by a lot of those guys, like I was mediocre at best. Like there's guys there that, man, they're like fucking Neo in a house. And yeah. you're just like, like I shot 27 rounds. It's like, okay, like, <laughs> let me check. Like how many did I shoot? Yeah. Like they just, they see different. And yeah. um, I've always been amazed by them. I just was never one of those guys. When shit hits the fan like that, like what's everyone, like obviously you probably don't know what they're thinking, but going through your mind, do you, do you feel, feel safe knowing that you're surrounded by the best of the best in that sort of environment? Yeah. Training would just kick into, wouldn't yeah. it? Obviously training. Yeah. The best training out there. Yeah. I can't, I mean, you have that, that pucker factor, but yeah. I, I can't think of a time where I thought we were going to, yeah. like, like I, I never had that overwhelming sense of like, you know, the, and this I don't even the know end. if they had it in, in Somalia, but I never had that moment of like, things are so bad. We're not going to be able to regain the initiative or, yeah. or suffer. Like yeah. you're just surrounded by like any person can do two or three person's job. Right. I mean, and so you're out with like however many dudes and it's like being out with a company or a battalion you I mean, the firepower, the effective firepower is unbelievable. That that that's the key word there. Too effective. You know, yeah. you look at you know one Iraqi can't shoot to save their lives, but you know one of you guys could take out ten guys in you know one shot almost twenty seconds. Yeah. Yeah. It's the classic movie thing where you see guys like not aiming and just shooting. I don't. I would never expect. Yeah. To see that at that kind of a place. Exactly. Right? I mean, four magazine an operator at that caliber to me is probably like. I don't know, 20 magazines, like just the yeah. effective rate that they're yeah, laying exactly. down rounds. Exactly. Yeah, that's it's cool. Crazy. It is. Anyone told me, did you have to ever call them like air support from- What's from, that? Had anyone? Oh, yeah. A-10s? Yeah, we had A-10s. Uh, 
A10s are the coolest. Well, yeah. I don't know. I think I think little birds are pretty cool. They're the cool like too, yeah. little birds, little like seeing those little yeah. Like you'll never forget the sound of the mini guns and the rockets. <laughs> yeah. Like that's 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 a sound of reassurance. Yeah. A10s sound cool though. Watching them in the daylight. I only um I only dealt with A10s during the invasion really. Most of the time it was like C130 or yeah, yeah, gotcha. little birds. Yeah. yeah. We actually yeah. chatted to an A10 pilot last week. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, yeah, and another yeah, like, one uh, yesterday a female yes. Female A10 pilot as well, and she got it's shot. The, it's it is the coolest sounding. Yeah, like when you hear those guns, kind of what are they, thirty uh, calibers? Yep. You yeah. hear those guns come in. Yeah. Like, that's that's you're America. Like, oh, you're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, just the way that. they, <laughs> fuck yeah. Just the way they come in is yeah. like nothing. It's it's unnatural. You yeah. watch them come in and do their dive and turn out, and you're just like, yeah. That's what Jason was saying. Yeah, they 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 come in high ball. and they just like scream down real low, yeah. just. Let it rip and just scream down real yeah. low, and then bank off, and you're amazing. Yeah, There's so much freedom cool. in that in that that plane. So much fr- freedom yeah. seeds coming down. <laughs> freedom seeds. Yeah. I mean, when, yeah, when you <laughs> laying down them freedom seeds. Yeah, when you look at it. And, there's probably a joke in there, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> when you when you watch those guns come, they just chit up. Yeah, and they're so like there's no other aircraft and no other fixed wing platforms in at hard deck or like, I mean, everything else is so far out, right? You don't even see it. Yeah. They're in the fight with you. It's like having a, a little bird or a black hawk. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So before we get into you discharging and your wife giving you the ultimatum about discharging, yeah. Um, yeah. you get into the canine side of things. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I got into the special operations canine side. Um, during my time in Iraq, I had the opportunity to have a dog for a couple of rotations. Yep. Um, lost That's- a dog over there. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Is it, so, that, um, is that a bite dog or a detection dog yeah. or bite dog? Uh, a mix, but the one that I had, it's just bite dog. Yeah. And what, um, what were you using? Uh, Belgian? Belgian. Malinois? Shepherds? Yep. Yep. Yeah. We, so we used, I mean, we used Dutch shepherds, Belgian Malinois, German shepherds, but I would say the majority of dogs we had that Belgians. kind of fit that mold of the right personality and the right drive are yeah. Malinois. Yeah, right. And with that, with they, uh, the canine handling, do you guys train the dogs yourselves or does someone else train them? Do you guys get them when they're in the flu trained or do you guys have them from peace? So kind of like, um, kind of like cops, a lot of the dogs come with that, like pre-trained, like they're titled. The basic. So they, yeah. So they have that basic obedient. Uh, they've already got the bite work and then you're working on, so you're taking, you know, initially as an, as a, you know, a, not an MP or military policeman or nobody who's, you know, just some dumb infantry guy. Um, you know, it's more about training me than it was the dog at the time Yeah. Um, to be a handler and how I could utilize it. Um, but that dog, like you get them and then you're trying to integrate, like, kind of like you see with the SWAT teams and all that, like, how do you integrate them with, so you've got this bike dog and you want to send him, but you're also operating at such a high level. How do we integrate a dog moving yeah. and get him not to bite those people? That was our initial focus. And then also like getting faster and doing all things. Yeah. 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 With the uh, the the uh, Belgian dogs, are they yeah. why uh, why are they the best? Because you because you see them in live videos and like skydiving, like skydiving, like jumping out the planes, like the goggles on and stuff, like strapped strapped to the their owner. Why not a shepherd or why not something else? Are they just because like the 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 vicious or they're just a smart dog? I've tried this analogy before and it doesn't ever seem to to work. So if you guys think of a better one while I'm explaining this, I yeah. think it makes sense. But right. so I think of shepherds kind of like. I, I say a Cadillac, uh, you could say a Bentley or any kind of, any kind of heavy. Star. Yeah. Like they're a beautiful luxury vehicle. They're just, they're just big bone. They're not meant yeah. for the track, it, um, yeah, right. but they're, they're also more mellow, right? They're, 
their acceleration, their personality, like everything is just kind of smoother, less edgy, um, more balanced. I look at Malinois like a freaking GT40 or yeah, with a, like turbo. a, a Ferrari, <laughs> you know, like all the frills are gone. Yeah. The personalities out if they're here or here. Yeah. Like Top fuel drag stuff. And it's just, yeah, it's just go. There's no brakes. It's yeah. just go. <laughs> yeah. um, they can do the same job, but it feels like Malinois fit the job set we had, you know, with crashing and blasting and all that. It seems like they were able to handle as a whole, as a breed. It seems like they were able to handle the stress that comes with that job better than Shepherd's work. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Well, cause I'm and a- I think it, I think it comes down to the way that Holland, you know, the guys in the Netherlands train the dogs too. So yeah, right. there's German shepherds. They've got a different training process than yeah. they do in Holland. Yeah. You get shepherds from Holland, Yeah, but you know, mostly it's Malinois. And, yeah. and I think that, process leans towards what i'm a, I'm a canine handler as well you're, you're, yeah. You're, <laughs> yeah i've done a lot of canine handling and um detection work and protection work as well yeah. in the civvy side of things so the private security sector yeah. and uh yeah same thing with the belgians i had belgians as well i had two and they're just mental they're just mental yeah. dogs like they just they don't stop they they just no. love it they leave you know at my house i had this trail it was just built in for the dogs just to run up and down that's all they did up and down yeah. the fence line just non-stop until yeah you hear them in three o'clock in the morning just doing the exact same thing like, oh, <laughs> yeah, and they're they're like i'll try and use they're like a five-year-old child a five-year-old boy yeah with, like ADD. with adhd <laughs> yeah who's not on his meds and you're just like what red, do I do with you? Red hair as well. Yeah, red hair. Yeah, it could be redhead stepchild like, who's five years old. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> just again, there's nothing wrong with shepherds. It yeah. just you know, and the other you know, physiologically, you've probably seen this. Is, yeah, is um, shepherds are just heavier dogs. Too. Yeah, they're yeah. you know, longer hair, hip issues. Yeah, um, they're just they're as a breed, they're just. Yeah, the shelf life. There's good shit. shepherds. Yeah, exactly. Do the uh, the uh, Belgians have any um, health? Issues like like the Belgians have got like the hips, and they might uh, be more more susceptible to like cancer and stuff as well. You you probably get some hip. I mean, they definitely get hip issues. It, you still, I don't. The breed is such a mutt. So Belgian like Belgian Malinois is really a mix of a bunch of yeah. Like there's no like it's not like they've kept the breeding. You no, know, so they'll throw pure. a shepherd in. You'll see Malinois that look like they got pit bull in them. Yeah, like you'll see such a wide range of Malinois. If we're not talking about like American Kennel Club kind of like dogs. Yep. Um, you'll see such a wide range. They try and keep the breed really healthy in Holland. Yeah. So, um, cancer. Yeah. I think, I don't know. All dogs die of cancer eventually if they live long enough, but I think you do see dogs in that nine to 10 year range where they, they start declining pretty quickly. They live that hard life and then it seems like they decline quickly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What's your experience, Matt? Yeah, mate. It's the same. They're a small dog compared to Are a German. Well, compared to mm. a German Shepherd, yeah. Like a half the size sometimes. Kelpie sort of size? Like, like a like sheep dog? No, 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 no. Like 65 no. pounds. They're still big. Like still big. Pounds? Yeah. yeah. Um, probably the size of like They're the a, same height like as a Kelpie. Shepherd, same, yeah, same, same as a Kelpie. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, so not as... Yeah. So like the size of like six Jack Russells. And they do have shorter hair as well, which is a good thing as well. <laughs> Shorter like hair. You're comparing him to Jack Russell. <laughs> Six Jack Russell. Yeah. Imagine if you if you rocked up to a war zone with Jack Russell. Six Jack Russells all on these leads. Get him a. <laughs> 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 um, with 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 your deployments with dogs, did you uh, did yeah. you get a few bites? Yeah. Got a few. You got yeah. a few. Yeah. Um, Are they trained to go for yeah. the throat or what? The arms or what? No, oh, never, just, man. So that's, that's, there. that's a good question, though. Yeah. It really is like. It's people mistake the way, I mean, look, there's, 
there's outliers for everything, but yeah. you know, these dogs are trained to go, they, they start with a puppy sleeve, right? Yeah. And then they put on an arm sleeve and then they try and transition to a suit. So they're like, for them, it's a toy. Yeah. The whole bite That's process for them is all fun. Right. Um, and typically when you see dogs that get hurt on a bite, they start to shy away because it's no longer fun. For them. Um, so you'll see them shutting down and stuff. So, um, the dogs don't realize what they're doing. So, cause it's not natural, right? We're not a, we're not dogs. We're not on their, yeah, right. There's, there's no point in, in dog history where they looked at humans and see us as prey. So a lot of people think dogs think that way. They don't, they don't view us as, as dinner. Right. And, and they want to satisfy their fundamental drives of sex, eating, um, and play. Right. And prey comes into the eating and all that stuff. But like dogs over there, Oh, they, we got some really good bites, but it wasn't any, it really was the way that the bite was presented to them. So yeah. if somebody's doing something stupid, they might get bit, you know, uh, in a on the side of their head or Fuck. you know whatever. But you know, a dog that goes for throat, I'm not saying it can, but yeah, it's not been my experience. <laughs> like I, I would certainly never train a dog to throat. I would train them to go for anything that they are presented. Yeah, right? I don't want them to target. I want them to go for whatever they got. Yeah, interesting. In saying that, you can. Obviously, you can, you, train you, can, you can train them. To, you can. Yeah. You, you can, know, 100%. It's just like, yeah, them. you know, obviously you can train the dog to, you know, attack the arm where they're holding a knife or holding the yeah. gun. So, yeah, yeah you know, right. If you want them to go for the eyeballs, then send them for the eyeballs. Wow. <laughs> but I never, the way that our, you know, the way that I work dogs was always yeah. at nighttime. Like, I wanted them working the nose. And whatever they came to, I wanted them biting it. Yeah, exactly. And they were, a, for me, they're a life, they're, they're a combat multiplier. Yeah. They give me the time to distract somebody to shoot them the same way with cops, right? They give yeah. you that extra second. Yeah. Um, did you guys run the cameras on the dogs as well? Like, was it in that stage? Of, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, like, yeah. You can send a dog in, you know, chase you mean the target. Like the ones, yeah. Like the cop cameras. Yeah. Stuff, a little yes. backpack mount and, you know, you GoPro. send them in for a bite and at least it gives you a bit of a, an idea of what the house looks like as well. So funny story, um, <laughs> with the help of other people, like when I was getting out, that is T now is a version of what yep. I worked and designed. Yeah. Right. So that, so, so that, yeah, I sat at home in my kitchen for the original camera. It was like weld or, uh, soldering and sending it over That's and cool. getting feedback. And so I was, um, I don't toot my horn a lot, but like the camera that you see now, the versions you see now, yeah. like absolutely had input on it. Yeah. Right. Um, it's cool to see them out there. What's the, uh, the, uh, brand or what are they called? Do they have, uh, have they just canine camera. There's like, there's multiple brands. Now. Yeah. They have, uh, I don't remember the companies you have TSC. I don't, there's another one out of like Oklahoma. Those are the two main companies, but yeah, I don't, if you Google like canine camera, you'll get yeah. some stupid ha- head mounted stuff, <laughs> yeah. back mounted. Yeah. Um, but the police have really implemented them and that's, what's cool to me. Like seeing them here at home, they're just like, man, there's I'll, another, I'll it's like a robot. That. Yeah, exactly. You know, right. Now you've got a hunting animal who seeing do that. That's it. Yeah. A lot faster than one of those yeah. shitty robots. What's the, uh, what's, what is the, um, too. yeah, exactly. And what, that's what, you know, that's one thing, you know, everyone in this world is scared of a dog. I was just about that. doesn't matter yeah. how big, tall and scary you are. If you see yeah. a dog coming towards you, you're jumping that fence. You're like, I'm, about I'm, to ask. I'm getting the fuck out of there. When the bad guys, so your dogs, they, they don't bark before they get there. You got that they, they, well, they train not to bark, so obviously, so you come in there like a clandestine sort of approach, or do they, or do you guys see a target, you let them off the lead, and he just fucking, just fucking goes? Uh, or she? It just depends on the, yeah, I, uh, I'll skirt around all that. It depends, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it depends on, it depends on what's going on around them. Like, yeah. you, you see a lot of dogs that it's inherent to their personality. They're either going to be quiet or they're going to be loud. Okay. Yeah. That's one of those things where 
if the dog's overwhelmed, they're, the only thing they got is their mouth. And a lot of times you'll hear whining and barking. So to plan that as like a, a way you're going to do something is really hard because if a dog gets overwhelmed, they're just going to start barking. Yeah, so exactly. the dogs, for me, at least at the time, without getting into like too much stuff, like I just work with what you have really kind of like the police, like what you got. Yeah. You know, once things go loud, they go loud. Yeah, exactly. Like once you're, once they're coming out of a helicopter or yeah. people are shooting or like all bets are off. Like that dog is just like, fucking let me out of the car. Let me do this. Like yeah, yeah. it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and, um, just quickly touch on, you said you did lose a dog in uh, Iraq. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were doing a, um, we had a, we'd been blown up one, uh, the night before, I think it was the night before we'd had a house dropped on us and we were all kind of like, and we went out and I had my dog and a friend's dog out with us and they were like, Hey, you know, classic, like this is the last place we saw somebody. We started doing some just regular old patrolling yeah. looking for bad guys. And I let the dog off leash and we're about, I'd say 15 feet away, 15, 20 feet away. And I couldn't, there was three of us couldn't see the dog. I mean, I could see the dog, but couldn't see this guy. Um, the dog starts coming down on odor and nails the guy in the second the dog like i could see the dog running and i could tell something was going on but like he bit this dude right in front of us and i was like holy shit all right we're like right here so we're guns up on this guy moving towards him dogs biting him and then the guy raised an ak at my teammate who was like five feet away on this side my left side yeah and we just filled him in and um i don't I don't know if the dog got hit on a ricochet yeah. or if like a, one of our round, the guy was laying down like at an angle. So I couldn't tell you, I, I don't think we hit him. I think it was a ricochet, but it was literally like a grazing shot across the dog's back. Dog ended up dying. Um, shitty situation, but yeah. like that's what they're there for. Man. They, like we didn't waste him. He alerted us to something that was literally like 15 feet in front of us that we didn't see. Guy raised an AK. I, I'd rather call my buddy and say, Hey, we lost your dog, then call exactly. you know, the guy, yeah, no, exactly. the guy's wife who was right there. Yeah. So well, shitty situation. Well, that's but, it. You, um, you, you do, obviously need to do remember that they are a tool. But you yeah, know, yeah, 100%. That, yeah they are, a lot of guys uh, forget that though. Yeah. Like you probably, when you hear yeah. people that they fall in love with the animals so much yeah. and I love it. They, they are there, but man, they're a tool. They, they should not supersede human life. No, definitely not. And the process, just touching with the process with a, uh, just, like the, like the dog dog gets killed, what happens? Do you guys yeah. put it in a bag or do you guys take it, take it home or do you just... Yeah, man, I humped him off target yeah. and um, we do the same processes back home, humped him off target and yeah. had him cremated and yeah. sent him home to my buddy and um, he's got a memorial spot. That's oh. it. He's a war hero, that's for yeah, sure. 100%. You know, yeah, 100%. So again, um, like he saved, possibly saved your life and... 100%, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, um, there's no doubt in our mind he did. You know, you you... Obviously, anybody who dies, you want yeah. them to have a glorious death. But yeah, man, there's there's no doubt in my mind. It, it, it was a hard call to make to call back and be like, hey, here's what happened, man. Yeah. You lost your mm. dog. But yeah, they mm. get a they yeah. get a spot in the court. Yeah, they awesome. they are treated the same as anybody else. Yeah. What, what, what was that dog's name? Valco. Valco. Yes, cool. Valco. Yeah. And he he was a Belgian or she? He? Yep. He was a Belgian Malinois. Yep. yep. Yes. Um. He's yeah. Great. Great dog. He he was like our just like that's the other thing. These dogs over man, they are they're they're amazing. Like like providing some I, I feel like some level of like comfort or yeah. Not comfort, but like normality to what's going on. I don't, yeah, 100%. you can pull up you know what I mean? When you can yeah. pull up and you're hanging out with a dog, yeah, yeah, drinking a weird. whiskey and smoking a cigar and doing a wrap up <laughs> of what happened and it's yeah, like yeah. that there's some normalcy that they bring to that world. Yeah, for sure. So anyway. Uh, 
Yeah, no, awesome, mate. Uh, well, we've been talking for a good hour and ten minutes, and it's been absolutely sick. And it's we've, awesome. We've got, That's you know, fine. Let's hang up then. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know <laughs> what we didn't get from you know um, our previous uh, Ranger and Delta chat was to, to the extent of you know what you've told us, which has been absolutely awesome. And uh, you've done some hectic stuff. You know, for you to you know be such a, at a young age to join the Rangers. You know, again, you almost joined the army by accident. And it was just a just to check out a party. Just check out a party. Just like, you know what? You should just join the military. And you're just like, yeah, sweet. I'll do it. And then same same thing for Delta. You're just like, yeah, yeah right. I'll stay in. So I guess <laughs> yeah. I'll just do Delta Force. You know, like, <laughs> what of it? I got lucky. And truly, I mean, I, I probably passed through the greats and people are like, how, the, how did he get here? But I mean, I didn't. I got, I got lucky. Right place, right time. And said yes and passed the test. But it's no, man, if you could see the people, you know some of the people. Like, Yeah. Mean, some amazing folks. Yeah, right. Well, for our guests, we generally have two final questions. And um, yeah. uh, for the first question, it is, um, you know, what advice can you give to people um, to complete their goals and, you know, exceed and just kill it in life? You know, essentially what you've done, you know, you've, 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 you haven't had the easy path and you've taken, yeah. you know, the the your skills and experience to, you know, do what you're doing now to the best of your knowledge. I'll try and keep it short. It's like, um, so never... Like we talk about volunteering, right? Always saying yes. Um, and part of that is not overthinking, right? Sometimes that gut feeling of like, I'm going to do it and just do it yep. um, is is probably been what I can rely on the most. It drives my wife insane sometimes, but I'm successful with it. And then I would say the other part of that is um, not being afraid to start over again. And that's where I think a lot of people getting out of the military have a hard time and they think they've got to go from this level that they were at and automatically transition inside. And it leads them to doing other jobs similar to the military. Yeah. When, you know, our personalities and the skill sets we have, man, you can be an entrepreneur. You just got to not be afraid to not make money for a while. You're not going to fail yourself. Like you won't let yourself down, but you've got to be willing to take that risk. And it's easy to say, but I've done it a couple of times where I literally started at a company here that had nothing to do with anything in the military. And yeah. I started at the lowest level, making minimum wage and just said, I don't want to travel anymore. But invest in yourself and have faith and, and be be willing to drop your ego and start at the bottom and yep. you'll rise quickly. Like that's it's good those advice. are my two it's good advice. Ego is the biggest thing. 100%. Yeah. And, and, and as you know, there's a lot of ego that comes from the military. And yep. I think if there's anyone out there listening that's in the military wants to get out, get rid of it when you get out. Like it's not gonna yeah. get you nowhere. Because and no, that, that no, mil- one fucking cares yeah, no one cares about your, <laughs> no one cares about your military. Dude, hundred percent. You know, Nobody like, cares, uh, right? It no. gets you in the door for maybe an interview. Exactly. But in yeah. the end they there's no way they understand no. it. They don't it's not that they don't care. They don't have the capacity it, to care if exactly. they haven't done it before. Exactly. They can't co- correlate what, what you're you're saying sometimes and they go, What the fuck did he just say? It could be like here we are chatting through over here and we sort of like, Yeah, yeah, but we might have a another person who might 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 be here and they'll go, what the fuck are you guys yeah, t- talking about sort it. of thing? You know, they might not find it interesting or they might not find it like cool that you're going around doing the stuff you are doing. But you uh, need yeah, to- Or they don't know how to relate it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. They're doing. Well, yeah. don't know how to react as well. They go, oh, okay. But yeah. you know, oh, when you get rid of that ego, yeah. you need to understand that you're worth the knowledge and skills and experience that you've uh, pertained throughout your military career. The military has spent millions and millions and millions of dollars just on yourself. So you are worth something. It's just figuring out how to use that knowledge, um, yeah. you know, experience, you know, in the civilian world. Because yeah, again, no one, no one cares that you've kicked down the door in Baghdad and had, you know, shot had someone in the face. Dogs, no cares. dogs no, biting people's faces. Yeah. <laughs> Throw, don't, biting no, people's throats. I tell you what, that was that was that was my biggest wake up call. Was like I thought, oh, I'm worth this, and I can do anything, and I know I can do anything. Yeah, 
but you got to be willing to prove you're willing to start at the bottom yeah, to exactly. prove to somebody you can do anything exactly like, to get that opportunity. Exactly. Yeah, it's funny you say that because you know, I st- when I got out, I got into the private security side of things, and I started yeah. off bouncing like obviously on a nightclub door. You know, I was on the doors for multiple years, just bouncing, <laughs> kicking, kicking these young kids out of the pubs and nightclubs, and then you know, obviously, then I got into the, you know, back into. He was older than five at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would have been at least sixteen. It's sort of funny in the way because uh, the club that Matt was at, where he met his now wife, I was there when I was eighteen, and without a doubt, I would have thought of seen Matt there. Um, Hundred percent, I kicked him out. Hundred percent, and now, now, now we're working together, and now, and the same thing. He like he poached me when I was working at another club across the road, and and now, now we're just we're best buds. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So the second question is uh, this leads on to obviously your wife giving you the ultimatum to get out and have a family. Obviously, you've got two kids because we can hear the budgies in the background. So that obviously not yours. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. Second question is, you know, what what is the plans for the future, and you know, what are you doing? And w- w- actually, when did you get out of uh, and move on to the civilian side of things? So two thousand. Uh, I've been out for a long time. Two thousand seven. Yep. Um, and I started by going to school, doing all, and just various jobs. CEO of a company, bailed out of that, and for the last two years, um, I, I resigned from a similar to you, a security job. I was yeah. CEO for a security job, uh, real good gig, but just didn't fit what I wanted for myself. Um, and now just started another company, a uh, research and development based company with uh, two friends. One's an investor, money guy, and then another friend who's a former operator um, looking at you know, trying to take te- technology to the civilian world, but also to the military. Yep. Um, we're just at the infant stages, but, uh, starting that. And then, you know, honestly doing more of this, um, I was talking to a friend today and he's like, what's your purpose with the podcast? And I'm like, man, I just, I don't, I'm not pushing anything, but guys talking more about transitioning. Uh, we can talk, we didn't really hit on it, but like PTS stuff, just like the way we feel. Yeah, no, definitely. It's it's okay to feel the way we feel. Yeah. And like getting guys that getting out and that and realize like when you get out, there's there's that transition. Not only do you have to figure out your job, not only do you have to deal with your ego, but you're also like, man, you live in a different reality. You've done things that force you to think differently than everybody else. Exactly. You want to call that PTSD, that's fine. But it's it's the way you function now. Everybody else is going to call it Pete, but you've got these things that forever change the way you're going to react to exactly. normal everyday things. And a lot of guys spun up on this PTS thing and they don't like talking about it because it's been so stigmatized. But I just try and go like, look, that's your new functioning reality. That's the way things are for you now. Let's just consider it that. Everybody else is going to call it PTS, and that's fine. It doesn't mean you're damaged. It's just the way the civilian world is, has said or tried to explain what goes on with our brains after we've experienced some sort of event. Yeah. So just trying to get the word out about that. more. Nothing more than just like, here's me. I think with Brad and like Chris and my buddy Lee, like just being able to talk some more guys hear it, whether they like it or not. At yeah. least they hear it and realize, hey, that guy was a good dude. And he's talking about it. It's okay for me to feel this warm and fuzzy feeling about this. Yeah, exactly. So just talking more. Yeah, no. That's kind of my goal. Well, that was the whole reason for this, you know, while we started this podcast again, was just to help veterans, you know, realize that, you know, you're not normal. You did do something that was a little bit different. It's not like you're working at Woolworths or um, a server or a bar or a construction job. You know, you were taught to kill. That's. You know, even at the bottom line of the army, that's your main role. That was your number one role was to go out and kill. Yeah. And it's not normal. You know, even the police uh, and et cetera, they don't train to kill. You know, I shouldn't say that. They do train to kill, but 
their first role that's is not, their, not. But that's not that's, their. That's, that's not the role of that's their That's not their. Yeah, that's Ser- not the role serve of their and, job. Serve and protect. Isn't so it? and you know, yeah. going back yeah. to like, I want to go back to right to the start of this podcast. You spoke about you know you losing memory. You know that could be traumatic um, brain injury. That you know, that that's one thing that uh, is not really spoken about a lot. And one of the the effects of getting. Uh, traumatic brain injury is the explosions and just gunfire itself you know the the percussion that a 50 cal makes you yeah. know fine you know shooting machine guns and they talk about rifles inside of a cqb house like exactly yeah. yeah they've done a lot of lot of breaching <laughs> a lot yeah. of breaching yeah. and just yeah. been within you know that meter to they say you know it's a six or seven meters like the safety distance and obviously you're not doing that there's no safe distance in baghdad you're right on that explosive so mortars and all that type of stuff so it'd be interesting if there's a lot more talk about uh, tbi down the track because i think again you, you've got a fuzzy memory of your early early days and i do as well like a lot of it's starting to disappear and um you know i'm just wondering now do you have it, guys come to you and go hey you remember this this and this they you, do they're, they're 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 like, do yeah, like, it's made a little bit. And they're I've like, got, "No, you were there. You did." And it's yeah, like they have the marine. Got no idea. And I'm like, sometimes, yeah, because I spent a lot of that wasn't me. I spent a lot of years <laughs> in mortars, so mortars, you know, firing mortars is Oof. enough to yeah shake the brain a bit. And they say it's the micro concussions. It, it, they say it's worse than being actually knocked out, having multiple of these micro like a longer um, longer period. Yeah, over a longer period. So it's it's funny because your brain's not recovering. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, Just, this is. I, I was actually. Yeah. I, I was listening to um, a podcast with a Navy SEAL, and he was going through the Char- out Charlie Sheen. <laughs> not Charlie Sheen. Uh, <laughs> he's got he's got brain injury from something else. It's um, this is substances. <laughs> it's it's sort of. Tiger's Blood. Tiger's blood. Before we before we close out, it's same as they reckon boxing is a worse or it's it's a far worse sport than like MMA because with with boxing you get knocked down, you get back up, and but with UFC you get knocked down and the blokes on top of you and the ref stops the fight, so your brain's um experiencing trauma for a short time as in boxing, it's experiencing trauma that is a little bit less effective, but it's over like a long longer period because you could get knocked out three or four times in boxing, but with UFC you get knocked knocked out once. And then, like you wake up again, yeah, and like the, 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 the yeah, it's finished. That makes sense to where, and when we talk about shooting and this stuff, like yeah. I mean, I don't know where that. And the, the hard part is, is so with the shooting and yeah. explosions and stuff, you never fully recover, right? You never, yeah. your brain never rests. It never gets rid of the toxin from that explosion. But then there's the other side of it, and without sounding like Alex Jones or conspiracy theorist, <laughs> like like there's the other side of it is if you start recognizing these TBIs, yeah, like what what kind of fallout is that with job? job risk and yeah. the military, you know, going, Oh man, like, I mean, there's, there's a part of me that goes, they're working to figure it out. But at the same time, there's a fear of really figuring it out because it could be bad. Oh, that's it. And, that, I, and, yeah. and look, look, I, I, I am totally all for it. discover it. Let's fix it. But there's also the other factor, PTSD or TBI. Yeah. Like, man, I signed up for a job. Yeah, exactly. And I shouldn't, I'm not, I'm not complaining about what I did. I knew, yeah. I knew what I was getting into to some extent. And like, that was a risk I was willing to take and yeah. guys currently are willing to take. So we shouldn't be afraid of talking about it. You know, somehow we're, you know, we're not going to get people to enlist. We're not going to, that's bullshit. Like yeah. it's a known risk. People will still do it, but let's exactly. still talk about how we can recover it once it happens. Well, that's, that's, that's right. And that, you've hit the nail on the head. It's, it's about talking about it, not. Yeah. It, you know, I think, yeah, we gotta, we gotta balance it because we can't go too far to the left with it because then they'll, 
start making us wear bubble wrap around our heads. You know what I mean? Like, and who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't go. Taking like, your guns away. You take, That's take, it. Yeah, they give you laser guns or something. Yeah, like that. Blow darts. Nerf <laughs> guns. <laughs> blow darts. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you off the hook, but I want to know. Tommy said I had to name drop. Yeah. So you have to tell one Tommy story. One Tommy story. Yeah. Matt, you got heaps. You, you buddy. With him for years and Because he's going to listen to this, I know, and he, he, yeah. he'd be disappointed so if we didn't I, talk about it. I did speak to him about this. I don't this. have anything good for Yeah, him. he did tell me, he goes, uh, you can tell a story, but don't tell them all. I'm like, oh, I've been some, I've, you know, yeah, I've been part of some of these stories and they can't be told on this top of, this top, yeah, it's not late night radio. <laughs> all right. Um, you know what? I, I just can't. There's too many. It's 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 all almost right. like the Special Forces side of things. You just can't talk about some of these stories because they're just <laughs> – <laughs> yeah. What what about the mo- most recent one? Um well it just Tommy in, in general, as I said, there was a lot of times where he, you know, he'd get absolutely just blind drunk and <laughs> he was at that stage where he never wore a shirt as he always took his shirt off and <laughs> and yeah, he had a pretty pretty big big body back then as well. And uh he always used to just turn up at the venues, like six o'clock in the morning and um I'd have to take him back to his hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes the venues weren't even near the the hotel either, so it'd be like five k's away. I'm like, how did you even get here? He'd be in there playing his. He had this uh, violin at one stage as well. It was really weird. I don't know. And um, did he travel with the violin? Yeah, it was it was weird. Oh, he, yeah. he, he, That's he, a good story. He he stood outside a, a venue one day and put a hat down and just. Well, no, I think it was, it was like an electric violin too, so it right. played its own tune. But this yeah. is Tommy in his uh, in his, his antics. I will prime. say this about the guy: like he's one of the most humble. He is people. He is like I've like no ego. Yeah, like that guy. No, no, yeah. no, does not care. Like he's just man, and like we we get along on like a house on fire. And we used to hang out a lot and go to strip clubs together. And <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> I, I obviously, came out. yeah, I, I obviously went as security. Violin. I had to go. I had to go as security. You have to. You have so. to. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, as you said, mate, he's one of the most humble human beings, and he'll give you a shirt off his back. And you know, I can't wait to see him because he loves his guns as well. So we, you know, every time we catch up, we're always shooting guns. And I'll tell you what, guns. man, hunting store. He he smoked a ten pointer. I'll send you a picture of it. He smoked a Oof. ten pointer at I think it was about three fifty, yeah, maybe four hundred. I don't know. Yeah. He'll probably yell at me for it, but dude, he smoked the nicest deer we had in Tennessee, <laughs> and it was like you know he showed up and I was I shoot guns. I'm like this. I'm like okay, okay, man. One round yeah. he smoked this yeah. thing. I saw the video and I'm like, yeah, he right, can, he can shoot. shoot. He what can size? Shit. What size? Cal Kelly? Were you guys using? Um, I don't know if it was a three oh eight. I don't know what he would. And I was shooting a six five PRC. Yeah. Um, I think he was probably a 308 or something like that. Yeah, yeah right. Maybe a 27. I don't know. Yeah. That's small. But when, when, when are you going yeah. to see Tommy again? Are you going to see him again soon? Or? Uh, worst case, you know, probably late November if he comes. Yeah, which right. I'm sure he will. Yeah, I'm I'm sure he will. He loves it. Again, he loves well, his guns. Unless you, guys and, are, unless you guys are traveling. Um, I think we finish in November. So, yeah, he'll definitely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure if he, he's going to be. Well, you come, should stay on and come to camp. I'll tell you what. what. What's happening at camp? It's not band camp. I oh, know what is it. Navy it's camp? boys camp. Hunt Navy camp. camp. We uh we do a hunt camp every year in oh. Tennessee with a group of us. Yeah, and oh, uh, that's it's become a thing. We got some really good friends who opened some land to us and yep. put on a put on a put on a gig and allow us to bring a few people. And it's it's yep. pretty mellow, but um, good Funny. hunting and just yeah. good stories. I got guns. I got shooting. Any tenor on? Yeah. Any tenor Tommy loves it his tenor. Yeah, there could be. It's mostly just hogs and deer, though. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, right. No, well, hogs, hogs. I like fucking, shooting I fucking hogs. love shooting. Oh, shit. Oh, awesome. Four-legged hogs, not two-legged hogs. Four, four-legged <laughs> hogs. Four-legged hogs. We we hunt hogs. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. We've all hunted hogs in our time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I saw your Aussie eyes light up, and I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. All right, mate. Well, um, mate, Thank I really you. appreciate you giving us your time and telling your story again. I'm sure hopefully it reaches someone's ears out there that, you know, needs that, you know, bit of kick and – yeah, I'd love to love to catch up one day and definitely have a beer and have a shoot and yeah. Yeah, man. Well, when you're here, I'm around. No, so awesome. It'd be good to see you guys and I appreciate your time. No, it's Kelly. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you for your service. All right. Thanks, mate. Yeah, no worries. Cheers. All right, Matt. Um, Kelly, that was that was cool. Yeah, mate. He's uh he's a really humble guy as well. Um you know, he spoke about uh, you know, in depth, you know, some of his deployments and kicking down doors, etc. and obviously you know, can't relieve uh relieve relieve. Reveal, reveal too much. Yeah, we'll leave that in. <laughs> you can't can't reveal too much about it, but um, yeah, exactly. And um, you know, his time in Iraq, uh, he spoke about you know these close calls as well. Yeah, um, which you know, being a, a tier one operator at that level, you can only imagine. You know, he three hundred fifty direct ish missions. Yeah, kicking down doors essentially. You know, not just. You know, kicking down doors to you know breaking into yeah. a domestic. No, he was it's domestic AK forty sevens. Yeah, he was fucking taking taking down the sand, Sandman, really. Yeah, so you can only imagine just, how many times um, you know he had close calls. And oh yeah, he spoke about it a little bit, which he did, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, and then offline we, we chatted a little little bit more about it, but obviously we can't end that for opsec. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, he got out in 2007 and since he's been, you know, uh, floating around a few management jobs. He was a yep. Steve at all, just like yourself, Just Shane. like myself, was a Steve at all. <laughs> just have Steve at all chat. Yeah. Walkies for life. <laughs> Steve at all chats. <laughs> um, he was cool. And he's into hunting, which is which is awesome. Yeah. So, so, yeah, we are as well. Yeah, but, as we said, you yeah. know, uh, before we started, you know, um, we've got a mutual friend, Street Bike Tommy, and they catch up uh, yearly and uh, do their hunting and – yeah. Shooting or whatever they do. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. Dance around a fire. Who knows? Yeah, I know. Anything's possible with Tommy as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually going over there soon. I'll be over there soon, so hopefully um, I'll catch up with Kelly and- um, Everyone else we've chatted to on this podcast that lives, lives in America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. I'll definitely catch up with Tommy. But um, anyway, if you want to get in contact with Kelly, you can head to- uh, Kroby 70s um, Alternatively, go to Matt Lamar's Instagram and you'll find him or um, Zero Limits Podcast and you'll find him there. Yeah, so you can send us a message and we can flick one out to him um, you know, if you've got any questions or anything. You, you know, Maybe you want to become a, a, a US Ranger or Brader or yeah. a, a Steve at all. I wouldn't have come <laughs> um, You can hit him up. Uh, again, mate, he's one of those real humble guys you can just talk to all day long. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to catching up with him just so we can talk more rubbish. And I'd love to hear more more hectic stories, which yeah, I'm same. sure he's got. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, if you want to listen to our podcast, you can head to zerolimitspodcast.com. Uh, Otherwise, you can head to uh, our social medias, uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram. You'll uh, find Zero the Limits link podcast, yep. yep, and you'll see our link tree uh, linked in our bio. Otherwise, just head to Spotify or Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all those ones, and just type in Zero Limits podcast, and you'll you'll come up with all the episodes. Otherwise, just I guess Google their names. 
Yeah, they might come up. And that should come up. Yeah. Because Google knows everything. And uh, guys, if you have someone in mind you want us to chat to or you have a mate that's served or you know someone that's had a cool story while serving in the ADF or the United States or the Royal Defence Force, whatever. Yeah. Any stevedores out there with Any stevedores with the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But no, we'd love to like chat to people because we're always just trying to think to expand and to get more stories. Yeah. Awesome. Well, see you next time. Uru. Wait, wait, wait. Now, quickly, just before you go, I want to tell you about Three Zeros Coffee. Now, as you know, I like my coffee how I like my men, long and black. <laughs> However, lately, I've moved into the cold brews. I'm loving it, obviously, because the weather here in Australia at the moment is quite hot. So what I've been doing is using the seasoned campaigner pour-over filter bags, literally rip open the packet, put the filter bag over my coffee mug, few ice cubes, pour in some hot water, let it cool down, add a sugar or two just to make it sweet, and I fucking love them. Honestly, you get the kick that you need out of the caffeine, and the taste is great. So if you want to get yourself a supply of coffee, head over to 30scoffee.com.au. From there, you can choose whatever you want. You've got the beans, you've got the pour-over filter bags, got some merchandise, and just to let you know that a percentage of their sales is forwarded to organizations that support first responders. So while you're getting your coffee, you're doing a good deed by getting some of this money to the first responders and where it needs to go. While you're there, don't forget to use the discount code 3ZLIMITS. Now look in our bio, you see that discount code, use it, get your discounts. So again, jump on to 30scoffee.com.au and grab yourself a supply.